Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. Amen. Uh, I'm fully aware today that today is Family Worship Sunday, and for many of you, having your kids in service with you may be a new experience. Uh, I will endeavor to remember that, and uh, I'm trying to share a message today that will have something for everyone. And so um, many of you know that uh, I'm a pretty big fan of comic books. Uh, If you've come by my office, you will know that I have an entire wall dedicated to a few superhero collectibles that I've been able to uh, gather over the years. Over the last 15 to 20 years, uh, the movie industry has been working real hard to bring to life some of the characters and stories that have been relegated to the pages of comic books uh, for most of the last century. And uh, they've created an entire universe of action-based stories utilizing the characters that are found in the pages of comic books. And now whether you're a fan of any of this or you just think I'm wasting your time this morning, uh, the kids in this room, and truthfully the adults in this room as well, are very much aware of the stories. And uh, the movies, the characters, the plot lines of not only the past, but the ones that are coming out in the future. Uh, There's one character that most consider the ultimate good guy. Uh, He's got a great underdog story. He spent his whole life fighting injustice and fighting for freedom. His early years, he was bullied and he was victimized because he was small and he was poor. And his parents, uh, they both had passed away when he was young, so he was an orphan. And all he wanted was to serve his country, to join the army, to be a soldier, and to fight for the freedom of others like so many other men and women had done as well. Uh, But because of his size and his health concerns, he was rejected over and over and over again. His name was Steve Rogers, and it was... Not his size or skills that got him noticed, but it was his resilience, his determination, his ability to keep going even when everything around him was against him. Everything around him was, seemed designed to beat him down and to tell him to quit and told him that he just didn't have what it took. As a matter of fact, there's a great line that is attributed to him when he's getting pounded by yet another bully And it's a line that followed him throughout his career as he finally gets recognized and through an experiment becomes who we readily recognize today as Captain America. Now, some of you can say his famous quote with me this morning, if you would. Uh, As he, the blows are raining down on him yet again, and he's getting hit over and over again. In the face of adversity, he looks the bully in the face and he says, I can do this all day. I can do this all day. The Bible teaches us that the righteous are a lot like Steve Rogers. At least his relentless ability to be resilient, a determination to continue to move forward, to refuse to stay down when circumstances dictate otherwise. Almost as if a warning to those who would attack those who are trying to live right, trying to be godly or Christ-like. Notice what the writer of Proverbs says. Proverbs chapter 24, beginning at verse 15, it says, Don't wait in ambush at the home of the godly, and don't raid the house where the godly live. The godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. But one disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked. 
Notice what the writer of Proverbs says. The godly may trip and fall seven times, but he's coming back another time again. He just keeps coming. He keeps coming. He keeps coming. He keeps coming. The prophet Micah, he in some ways echoes those sentiments in his prophecy to the nation of Israel almost as a warning to the enemies of God's people. He says this in Micah 7 and 8. He says, Do not gloat over me, my enemies, for though I fall, I will rise again. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. Some of us today need to take that to heart. Though I fall, I will rise again. With Micah's words ringing in our ears, though I fall, I'm rising again, I'm coming back. In the words of Steve Rogers, I can do this all day. I want to share with you this morning from this subject, bounce back. Bounce back. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your word, and I thank you that you're in this house today. I thank you, Lord, that we've already experienced your great presence to change people's lives. Lord, when your presence comes into the room and rests on us, there is nothing that cannot be accomplished because of your great spirit and great presence in our midst. And today, God, I pray that you would let faith rise up in this house to remind us, Lord, that no matter what we face, no matter the adversity, no matter the trial, we don't have to stay down. We can bounce back in Jesus' name. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. When I was a kid, we had this uh, Bozo the Clown punching bag. Some of you may remember this particular toy. It stood maybe about four foot tall. It was kind of oval-shaped. And on it was a figure of Bozo the Clown. It was created in such a way it had sand or something in the bottom that was heavier than the air that was in the balloon so that whenever you would punch it, no matter how hard you hit it, provided you didn't pop it, it would fall over and it would come back. Punch, fall over. Bounce back. Punch, fall over, bounce back. Punch, fall over, bounce back. I think somebody messed with the sand in the bottom a while ago. No matter how many times you hit him, they don't make them like they did when I was a kid, but you can punch him, and he just keeps coming. Right? One of our folks in first service hit him real hard, and so he's been struggling ever since, but you get the point. Don't gloat over me, my enemies, for though I fall, I'm going to rise again. Don't think you've beaten me because I went down. Don't think you've beaten me because I fell over. Don't think you've beaten me because I made a mistake. Don't think you've beaten me because I fell. I will rise again. Don't think that this means I'm done. Don't think that because you took me out, it's over. I can do this all day. Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. The stuff I'm made of gives me an advantage because when I fall, I'm coming back. I don't stay down, I bounce back. This morning in this room, there are people who have experienced some of the best that life had to offer. And yet there are others who, if we're being completely transparent, have had to endure some hardships. They've had to go through some stuff. Life comes at us from a lot of different directions, and life is rarely simple or easy. Earlier this week, I posted a post on Facebook. It was a simple statement. It says that 
Who you are right now does not have to be who you are tomorrow. The stuff you're going through right now does not have to determine what tomorrow is going to look like. Because we serve a God who steps outside of our today, and he is waiting for us in our tomorrow. And so you know what? Today might look bad, but that doesn't mean that's the end. I'm coming back. I may be down. I may be on my face. I may be in a mud hole getting the, getting the mess stumped out of me, but I'm coming back. No matter what happens, I'm coming back. And the Bible tells us that life comes at everybody. There's some people that think the Christian life means that, oh, everything is roses, peaches, and cream, and everything's going to be great, and I'm never going to have a problem. And if that's you, I just want you to look in the mirror and thank God every day for your very existence because the rest of us know that life happens to everybody. It rains on the just and the unjust. Even if you carry an umbrella, pretty good chance at some point you're getting wet. It's not a spiritual thing. It's a life thing. Inflation is happening to everybody. Tax day comes for all of us. Cars break down for everyone. Even Tesla drivers. I saw one on the back of a, of a rollback the other day, and I thought, did he just run out of electricity or has he got a problem? <laughs> Sickness happens to all of us. Many times those things are just a part of life. But the things that may derail the life of an unbeliever don't quite have the same effect when we're walking with Jesus Christ. When our lives are interconnected with the creator of all things, when we integrate who we are with who he is, we quickly determine that we are made differently. Things that get other people down don't have to keep me down. I can come back. Why? Because I'm made different. The stuff that is in me on the inside, what it's like on the inside of me is different because what's on the inside causes me to walk different, act different, be different. Paul described it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6 through 9. He says, For God, who said, Let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts, so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed. <laughs> we are perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. We are hunted down but we are never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we're not destroyed. We get knocked down, but we ain't destroyed. We get knocked down, but we're coming back. We get knocked down, and we might roll around a little bit, but we're bouncing back. When somebody who doesn't know Jesus looks at your life, they see the adversity, and they see the struggles, but that's not all they see. They see the tenacity and the resilience. They see the response when life hits you hard, and they see your response, I can do this all day. They quickly realize what I'm trying to tell you today. We are made differently when we fall, and we will. See, I, I know that we're striving for perfection, but ain't one of us there yet. When we fall, and we will, we bounce back. So a lot of what we endure in life is just what? Life. But the Bible also throws at us repeatedly that this reminder that we are in a war against an enemy who is determined 
not to make it so easy on us. After all, the initial verses I read to you today are warnings against an enemy. Rejoice not against me, my enemy. And whether he meant a physical enemy or a spiritual one, that's really not what's important. The reality is, many times we are facing real-life opposition. Whether that's a bully at school, a jerk in our neighborhood, a co-worker who's determined to hold you back, or a boss who doesn't like you, or the devil himself. Whatever the enemy may look like, you never, ever, ever go into battle alone. When you feel attacked, you're not alone. You may be alone physically, but God is always by your side. Remember what Paul said? We are perplexed, not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but we are never abandoned by God. And God is determined to be your strength when you are weak. When you feel threatened, he rallies to your defense. God has got your back, and I'm so glad I don't go into, into my battles alone, aren't you? Some of what we face, again, is just life. Some of what we face is physical opposition that we can see and taste and smell, and yet much of what we face, we can't always put our eyes on. Ephesians 6 and 12 says, For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So with all of that bad, Paul then goes on to encourage us to prepare for battle by putting on our spiritual armor that we all have heard about and talked about for years, but there's a responsibility that we have as Christians to prepare ourselves for battle so that we don't go into battle unaware or un un unprotected. We go into battle armed because we know that there's going to be a fight. And being a follower of Jesus is not for the faint of heart. It's not for those who are quick to quit. It's not for people who, who, who just want to walk away. It's for people that are tough. It's for people that have backbone, grit, determination, a willingness to fight, a tenacity, a I-can-do-this-all-day attitude, a smile in the face of adversity, a refusal to stay down even when I'm on the mat. Also, being a Christian doesn't mean that we deny our weaknesses. I know there's some super Christians here who never want to acknowledge that they got any struggles, but for the rest of us... <laughs> I readily acknowledge that I come up short. Matter of fact, the Bible goes so far as to say all of us are sinners and all of us fall short. As a matter of fact, it is the acknowledgement of our weakness that allows us to rely solely on Jesus for our strength. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 10 says, that's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses. Paul's, Paul's saying, hey, I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults, the hardships, the persecutions and the troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. You see, it's the recognition that it's not by my own power that I'm bouncing back. It's not by my own strength that I'm getting up again. It's not what I'm made of, but rather what is now living on the inside of me that allows me to discover a resilience that causes me to rise again. You see, it's not Bozo that's getting up. It's the air that I blew into Bozo that makes Bozo get up. Rest on us. Rest on us. When we're asking the Holy Spirit to come, you know what the Spirit is? The Spirit is the breath of God. And when we're asking the Spirit to come and live in us, dwell in us, walk with us, talk with us, you know what's causing us to rise up? It's not the fact that we're a bozo. It's the fact that bozo's got breath in him that's causing him to rise up. It's the recognition that it's not my power that's causing me to bounce back. 
It's not my strength that's causing me to get up again. It's not what I'm made of, but rather who is now living inside of me that allows me to discover a resilience that causes me to rise again. As John said, 1 John 4 and 4, you belong to God, my dear children. You've already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. What's inside me gives me the ability to come back. What's inside of me gives me the fortitude to rise up and to keep going. I say what's inside, but what I really mean is who's inside of me that causes me to have what is needed to rise up when others push me down. It's because Jesus dwells within me that when I fall, I bounce back. So at the risk of becoming a Pastor Rodney told us about Captain America today, uh, sermon. I want to share with you in the few moments we have left some characteristics of someone even greater than Captain America, uh, some characteristics that we find in Jesus that reveal his ability to bounce back. And because we are desiring to be like Jesus, uh, those traits, if found in us, will help us to consistently bounce back as well. Let's take a look at Hebrews chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily traps, trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. So when I think about Jesus and all he endured, it gives me strength to not quit in the face of my own adversity. So the Christian's walk here is described as a race that we're all running. And those who have ever run you know that there are things that happen to endeavor to prevent you from running when you decide to run. I mean, think about it, particularly if you're just starting to run, you go out for a run and your legs hurt and you get shin splints and your side starts to hurt and you get cramps and dogs chase you and if you slow down, they catch you and if you speed up, they run faster and you get tired and you want to stop and lay down and you haven't even got off the porch yet and people get in your way and things seem even more appealing like sleep or couch or TV or food or car. I told my wife yesterday if she wanted to go on a run, I was going to follow our neighbor's example who yesterday, he, she was walking down the street walking the dog and he was in the truck riding beside her talking to her. <clears throat> You start to think, I can get where I'm going if I, a whole lot faster if I just get in the car and drive. Wouldn't that be much more efficient than I can get more work done? Lots of obstacles that prevent you from accomplishing that run. But the writer of Hebrews, comparing the Christian life to the race that God has set before us, gives us Jesus as an example. And this is what he says. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. And now... He is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. As Jesus faced obstacles and distractions and things would have kept him from competing and completing his mission, he modeled for each of us how we 
should keep going, how we should bounce back, how we could stare down the adversity and endure our own troubles and keep moving forward. Keep our eyes on him. By keeping our gaze set upon our champion, we can follow after his example and bounce back from anything, anything that life would bring us, anything that others would bring us, anything that the devil himself throws at us, we can come back from. Because the righteous fall seven, they're getting up number eight. I want to give you seven keys today to bouncing back from the life of Jesus. I'm going to do this quickly because I know we have children with us today, and I want, you to, I want them to hear and have an opportunity to respond as well. But the first key is this. <clears throat> when you're facing adversity and you're about to fall or you have fallen, first thing I want you to remember is you need to remember how much God loves you. And we'll call that the principle of compassion. We are not alone, and we are not fighting a battle alone. He is with us, and his love does not stop when we fail. What an awful thing it would be to know that if I mess up, the person who created me and loved me the most loves me no more. That is not what the Bible tells me about my God. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 says, The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin fresh each morning. One version says, because his compassion fails not, his mercies are renewed each day. It's because of his unfailing love and compassion for each of us that even when life gets tough, even when it gets hard, when I falter, I stumble, I fail, and yes, you will do that too, you can bounce back because you know he loves you. <clears throat> Excuse me. The second point I want to make today, we'll call this the principle of identification, is we need to remember who we are. Jesus never lost sight of who he was. Think about it. The Gospels are filled with examples of Jesus' declarations. I am the light of the world. I am the Son of God. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the bread of life. I am the door. I am the true vine. He reminded us constantly of who he was. And as a child, he reminds me over and over and over again that I am his and he is mine. That we can experience oneness with him and we can be complete in him. And so when darkness prevails, it's a reminder that we are the light of the world and our light should not be hidden under a bushel. And we should stand and show the light of the world into this world that is dark. And when troubles come, we are stable in him. We are complete in him. We are his children and we can find what we need in him. Third thing I want you to remember today, and this is the principle of motivation, remember who you are trying to please. <clears throat> Jesus, throughout his ministry, reminded us that he didn't do what he wanted, but was striving to do the will of his Father. And so our motivation must be to please God. If our motivation is right, even when we fail, even when we fall short, because our motivation is to please God, we can quickly bounce back and move ahead. People that have the right motivation, even when they fall, they fall forward. Why? Because they're moving in the right direction. They got the right motives in mind. Even when they make a mistake, they're doing it the right way, and so they're headed in the right direction. Paul said in Galatians 1, he said, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people was my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. If your motivation is to please everybody else when you fail, when you fall, it's rough. 
You know why? You're trying to live down the disappointment of all the people you were trying to please. But if you are living to please Jesus, when you fail, he looks at you with compassion and with mercy and that are renewed every morning. And no matter how many times you fail, you can't outlast the mercies of God. And you can quickly bounce back because guess what? He's behind you going, hey, we're going to do this. Get up. We got stuff to do. Let's go. We got things to do. Let's get moving. And you know what? My motivation is to please him. Can you say amen? The fourth point I want you to remember, and let's call this the principle of vocation. I want you to know your calling. Jesus knew who he was, and he knew what he was meant to do. He knew what his job was. His job was to come, go to the cross, and save each and every one of us from sin. He never allowed anything to distract him from his ultimate job. He said at one point in John 8, 14, he said, I know where I came from, and I know where I'm going. He was confident in who he was and what he'd come to do to the point that when obstacles came and things got hard, he could not be dissuaded from his ultimate goal, that being the cross. You need to remind yourself of the calling that God has on your life. He called you to be in relationship with him, and then he gifted you and equipped you so that you could complete the purpose that he has for your life. And just because you fall down, just because you come up short doesn't mean he loses faith in you. It doesn't mean he didn't put you in exactly what is needed, put inside of you to complete the task before you. And when you fall, he doesn't regret ever calling you either. There's a lot of people that, oh, you messed up. You are disqualified. You don't deserve anything. You are no longer welcome. No, sir, not my Jesus. Uh-uh. When I fall, he gets behind me. He takes his hand and he puts it on me and he says, we got this, baby. Let's get up and let's keep going. Fifth point I want to make, and let's call this the principle of concentration. You need to focus on what matters most. When you study the life of Jesus, as his ministry was winding down, he became more and more focused on what he'd come to do. Luke chapter 9 and verse 51 says, Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. So as we find ourselves facing obstacles and struggles, our enemies come against us to try to distract us, we need to dial up our concentration. Notice what Jesus does. Hey, he knows his time is short, and nothing was going to dissuade him from his ultimate goal. He had ultimate concentration. He was going to Jerusalem, he was going to the cross, and he was going to die for humanity. Oh, Peter, you don't think I should do that? I mean, you know what? You must be influenced by the devil. Get behind me, Satan. I got job to do. He didn't let anything stop him. Nothing could dissuade him. Why? Ultimate concentration. I got one thing to do and I'm going forward. Even if I fall, I'm moving ahead. Even when I slip and mess up and do something wrong, I'm going forward. Why? Because I am concentrated on the fact that God has a plan for me and we're going to make it together. You might have knocked me down, but I haven't lost sight of my goal. I haven't lost sight of where I'm headed. Just because I'm down, it doesn't mean I'm out. I'm bouncing back. The sixth point I want to make, and we'll call this the principle of meditation, we need to spend time alone with God. You want to bounce back? It's because you've been building a foundation of spending time with God. Again, from the life of Jesus, Luke 22, Jesus went out as usual, as usual, to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. It was a habit for Jesus. He had a place where he went to pray, to connect to the Father, and to model to his disciples what it meant to spend time alone with God. Luke chapter 5 and verse 15, it says, But the news about Jesus spread even more, 
Many people came to hear Jesus and to be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often slipped away to be alone so he could pray. He's the God of the universe. And yet he recognized his need to stay connected to the Father, and so he went alone to pray. To ensure that you remain connected to God and his plan for your life during tough times, you need to build a consistent, disciplined time of prayer and meditation, a life connected to devotion to Christ. Nurture your relationship with the Lord by developing the daily habit of a time of prayer in connection with the Lord. Now, tomorrow you may forget. That doesn't mean it's still not needed. Get up Tuesday morning and start praying and talking to God. It doesn't have to be a specific place. It don't have to be a specific time. But it does have to be a consistent decision that I'm going to connect to Jesus Christ today. So when tough times come, I don't stay down. Because my strength doesn't come from me. My strength comes from the Lord and my daily connection to him. I bounce back. And then finally, my seventh point We'll call this the principle of collaboration. You need to get in a small group for support. I'm going to say it again because we're in small group registration season, and it's probably a good time for you to hear point seven really strongly. Get in a small group for support. Even Jesus had a small group. He chose 12. He called them disciples, but he lived a life within his small group. They supported each other. They prayed together. They did ministry together. They did life together. They rejoiced together. They grieved together. They sometimes argued together, but they grew together. Peter mentioned this, our pastor mentioned this verse a couple of weeks ago. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 says, Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone, he's in real trouble. If he falls, it's bad when he's by himself and he just stays over. But if I'm here, I can help him back up. Thank you, Bozo. You've been a great helper today. I appreciate your time. When you're part of a small group, those connections give you support during the times when things get tough. When you fall, when you get beat up, when life deals you some blows and you are all alone, you are in real trouble. But when that happens and you got a group of friends that you're connected to, a group of friends you're doing life with, a group of friends that maybe you're in an exercise group and you meet together and you study the Bible and then you go work out, or maybe you're in a group with a bunch of married couples and you got a marriage problem and all of a sudden you got 10 married couples that are surrounding your life. You know what? You got a small group, you got folks who can reach out and help you up. You can bounce back. All right. If the worship team would come. So, uh, for all of our kids today, I have a gift for you before you leave. Uh, If you got one in first service, I would ask that you not go and get a second one until everybody that's here for the first time gets one. But uh, so, parents, if you'll help me with that. But I have something for you. It's called a bouncy ball. It is a perfectly named toy. I don't know who the marketing genius was that came up with bouncy ball, but. It literally describes what it does. It is a bouncy ball. And I just lost it, so good thing I brought two. Thank you, sweetie. It's a bouncy ball. But in order for it to truly bounce, it has to bounce off of something that's hard. If I had a pillow up here today and I threw it on it, I might get a little lift But at best, it's going to trickle off the edge of the stage, and that's all I'm getting. So many people in life are always wanting it easy. They want things gentle. 
and soft. They lose their way when things get tough. All of us are going to fall. All of us are going to fail. But if we're surrounding ourselves always with everything in life that pampers us and cushions us, when we fall, it's awfully hard to bounce back. But when we've gone through some tough stuff, when we've been through some hard times, when we've built our lives on things that are solid, we bounce back. See, maybe your foundation ain't so solid. Maybe you need to shore that foundation up. Because I promise you, there are going to be moments when you're going to fall and you're going to hit. But if you're on something that's cushiony and soft, you're liable to lay there a while. You may like it. You might like being down, right? You might curl up, get a blanket, and just stay there. But me, I've been through some stuff. So when I fall, it might hurt in the moment. But I ain't staying. I'm coming back. Thank you. I'm not staying. Why? I'm bouncing back. In the Bible, God is described as rock many times. His word is also described as a rock. It's solid. It's stable. You can build your life on it. And when you fall, the Bible at one point even says to fall on the rock or the rock will fall on you. I think I'm going to settle for falling on a rock because rock falling on me doesn't feel very good, right? But when I fall on the rock, I bounce back. Matter of fact, Jesus tells this amazing story. It's a good way to wrap up our lesson today. He tells the story of these two types of builders. He says two types of builders went out to build houses. One of them, he took the easy route. He built on the sand. I don't know if lumber was quicker to get there. I don't know if it was just easy, but it, it, somehow he built this house right on the beach, I guess, and it was really easy and quick and fast. And he got it up, and he had a beautiful little house. This other guy, he built on a rock, and he dug it out, and he dug deep, and he built a, on a foundation that was meant to last, and he built his house. And then life happened. How many of you know life happens? Storm came wind blew. The Bible even says, I think it's in the King James Version, that the storm blew vehemently. It sounds like, like this wind was so strong, it was like, I don't know if you can use vehemently very often in a sentence, but it was vehement, right? It was bad. It just sounds bad, doesn't it? Vehement. But because he was built on a rock, his house remained. The guy who built his house on the sand same storm, same wind, same struggle, same fight, same problems. House. Flat. Which one of you think recovered quicker? Which one of you think it, which one think it bounced back? My wife is so worried I'm going to fall off the edge of the stage. Don't worry, baby. I'm going to Duke tomorrow. We're going to see the doctor tomorrow. If I fall off, I just got more to see him about. Which one of them bounce back quicker? The guy that was built on something that lasts. I want you to know today, you can build on the right stuff. How you build and where you build matters. 
If you build on something that's solid, that's meant to last, when you fall, you're coming back. I want to build my life on Jesus, the rock of my salvation. I want to build on something that's going to matter. I want to build on something that lasts. I want my foundation to be dug deep, and I want it to be on something that matters. Why? Not for the good times, for the times that I get knocked over, for the times that I fall, for the times that I go down. Why? Because when I'm built on something solid, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. Man, I can't even make him stay down. First service, I did that, and he just stayed. He got a little of Jesus in him after first service. Hey, I just want you to understand today that you weren't meant to fall over and stay there. You know what the greatest tragedy would be in life? Is to make a mistake and assume that defines you and never come back. God has put so much in you and given you so much capability and potential. And to waste it when I make a mistake and not come back, ooh, I'm just wasting my, my God-given things that he's put in me. So what am I going to do instead? I'm bouncing back, baby. I'm bouncing back. If you'd all stand with me all over this house, every head bowed, every eye closed, I'd like to pray for you. And then we're going to open this altar, and I'd encourage you to take your family and come to this altar today. They're going to sing a song that apparently our kids love. They've been singing it all day. But we're going to let them sing it together with mom and dad today as we close out our service. But before we do, let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your word. I thank you for this moment. I thank you, Lord, that your word reminds us that if we'll live our lives in a meaningful way, if we'll live righteously before you, that even when we fall, we can come back and rise again. Lord, you have modeled it yourself. Even under the weight of the cross as you went to Calvary, you fell repeatedly over and over and over. But you kept getting back up until you made it to Calvary that you might die for us. And then they laid your body in a tomb, but three days later, you bounced back. And so today, God, we entrust our lives to the one who not only tells us to bounce back, but modeled it for us. We ask you today, God, to come into this house and rest on your people. Let us experience your presence in a way that reminds us that you are with us and you are for us and you will never leave us and you will never forsake us. We love you and honor you today in this house and we thank you for your word that challenges us to be different, to live different, to act different, to walk different, to be after your own heart, God, to be the type of person who understands that I can do this all day. I can take the blow and I can coming because I've got something inside of me that's greater than what's on the outside of me, that's greater than the adversity, that's greater than the struggle. I put my hope in you, oh God. In Jesus' name we pray. As they began to sing, this altar is open. Come with your family and worship with them as we close out our services today.
presence that we feel in this house today. We thank you for the challenge to be led by your spirit, oh God. Lord, let your spirit reign in us, let it walk in us, let it live in us, oh God. We thank you, Jesus, we thank you. Amen, amen. I just want to say thank you to all of our kids today. You've done an amazing job sitting through adult church. We don't have clowns every Sunday, but I'm glad you were here today because I got to punch on the clown. Um, but it's good to be in God's house today. If you know me at all, you know that I like to close out things with a little bit of a declaration. Just kind of a way to cement some things in my heart of what we've talked about. And so I'd like you to do it with me, if you will. Simply just repeat after me. I'll try not to go too long. Sometimes I get a little excited and keep talking, and uh, I'll try not to do that so that you can keep up. Jess is like, yeah, he talks too long. Uh, all right. So you, will you do it with me? Will you repeat after me? Father, I thank you. I thank you for this day. I thank you for your word. I thank you for its challenge. Help me to walk in it. Help me to live it. And when I fall, help me to remember that I can bounce back. My life is not over. My walk with you is not over. Your mercies are renewed every day. And so I can bounce back. Help me to always remember that you love me. Help me to always remember who I am, that I am your child. Help me to always remember that I'm trying to please you. I'm not trying to please everybody else. I just want to please an audience of one. Help me to remember that I'm called of you that you have plans for me, that I can do all things through you. Help me to focus on what matters most. Help me to fa face every day having spent time alone with you. Finally, Lord, I thank you for giving me a, a room full of friends, people that can be with me to help me when I do fall, that will walk with me, that will talk with me, that will strengthen me, that will encourage me. And together, we declare that we will not stay down. We will bounce back in Jesus' name. Let's thank him together all over this house. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. Blessed be your name, Jesus. Hey, thanks for watching. Be sure to subscribe to this channel so you never miss one of our videos or live streams in the future. Also, take a moment and share this with a friend. Be sure to join us 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. each week live as we celebrate Jesus together here at Life Church. God bless you.